Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my great co-host, George. And, you know, it's Monday. We had football on this past weekend, and we got games to recap. We are going to discuss all the games from Saturday and Sunday from the Week 16 slate. I can't believe Week 16 is almost over. We got the Monday night game, which should be a good one. Ian Book making his first ever start. But let's not talk about that. We got a bunch of things to discuss from Week 16 NFL season. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy this one. So let's start out with those Saturday games with the battle that happened at Lambeau Field between the Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers just squeaking away with that two-point victory, covering the seven-and-a-half-point spread thanks to Baker Mayfield's four interceptions. What do you think about this game? I thought, you know, the Browns played better if you if you take out the four interceptions, which, you know, unfortunately you can't do, and, and that's really why they lost. Um, but I thought, you know, they scored on the first drive, they marched down, did what they had to do. Um, they missed the extra point. And if you think about it, that was the only difference by the end of the game because, you know, you get six instead of seven on the first drive. You score your second touchdown, you go for two, and you don't get it. And it was 14-12, and they ended up losing by two points. So even though the kicker, you know, didn't have that choke moment late in the game, it is interesting to sort of track that back and be like, okay, this is actually why they lost because of this early missed extra point. And that was the difference. And we brought it, and I think you brought it up a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like six point spreads or five point spreads. It's like, you know, there are some feel there's some extra points here that get left on the board and that that could sway you really, really aggressively because you always think like, okay, the seven's a key number. Six is a key number as well. But when you think about like the seven point spread, it's like I'd much rather the six and a half to get that hook. But now you have to start to kind of consider that as they've started to move back the extra point and that becomes an actual factor. And we saw it in this game, not necessarily when it came to the spread, but if you just think about it in general the fact is that these missed extra points can come back to haunt you when you're taking one side or the other when it comes to betting these games. Yeah, yeah well, well, both teams had three touchdowns and a field goal, and one of them had more points than the other. So, you know, it all sort of goes back to that. I, I do have to say, though, just like more so about the game. Um, look, it's, I'm not exactly looking to defend Baker Mayfield, um, but I thought that that was like a really bad no call in the last pick. Mm-hmm. I, I thought – I thought the it was one that really sealed bad. it at the end, the one that sealed it at the end. Or yeah. Or am I thinking I thought, about the incompletion? No, the, the, the pick, the, the yeah. his last I'm, pick. He, yeah, I'm, was, yeah. 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 DPJ yeah. was held badly. I thought, and it was one of those <laughs> ones where it was like, he was held and then yanked back. And then the ball just sort of happened to go right into the defender's arms. You know, it's one of those ones that like, you know, sometimes you make a no call and you hope it's like inconsequential but it just like sort of happened to be an interception. Next thing you know, your bad no call like totally ruins the game or ends the game for one team. So it was just unfortunate. I mean, I'm not looking to defend him, but I do think he got a raw deal on the last pick. No, the last one. And there was one that he chucked up like into double coverage that if you like go back and look at that, that one, and there was also like a bunch of, there was like the entire way up on the route. You could tell there was multiple penalties that should have been on the defense. Still doesn't absolve Baker. It was an awful game from him. And I'm honestly very shocked that the coaching staff went away from the running game because when we did, when we previewed this game on Thursday, I talked about how the weakness on this Green Bay on this Green Bay defense is their run defense. And we have Nick Chubb churning out seven yards a carry for over 125 yards, but only 17 carries. And you have Baker Mayfield dropping back for 36 times. Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. And it seemed like it. Even even though he threw those four interceptions, it was the running game that was keeping you in this one and the ability for you to score points and the fact that you went away from that and decided to put the ball in Baker's hand when he was clearly struggling and clearly just missing the mark completely on these guys. I mean, like we talked about two bad interceptions that could potentially could have been called back. 
there were a bunch, there were a couple where, you know, they're in the red zone or they're, they're right in Green Bay territory. And he overthrows Jarvis Landry right into uh, right into one of the Green Bay defenders. And, you know, that that loses points right there. Like you talk about like, OK, the kicker left two points on the board. You left three points at least on the board by just throwing that interception. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. The the turnovers were bad. It's, it's so tough because. It's just been, it's been such a bad, bad season for Baker. Um, one that, you know, it's a um, legacy is a strong word because a guy like him, like legacy, I guess, in a negative connotation, like the rap on Baker is what we've seen this year. Like, sure, he's tough. He could play hurt, but I mean, he's been awful. Like, you know, you know, you, ha- you, ha- you, you have to think Keenan would have been better or you have mm-hmm. to think, you know, and, and Mullins could have been better. I mean, we're talking about four picks in a game that they could have won. They were better everywhere else other than the fact that they turned it over four times. Mm-hmm. And that, I get the legacy part of it because this is a guy that when you think of like, this feels like a point where a bunch of brands fans are finally done with him. They're coming out and saying yeah. like, oh, we want to move off of him. We're done with him. This was the last straw, all this. And, you know, maybe they rush like, I don't know. He, the guy tested positive for COVID. We will see whether we don't know whether or not those are just impactful. That's an impactful thing to have as well as all the other things that he's dealing with. I agree that probably Keenum would have been better. I don't know if I would go as far to say Nick Mullins would be better, mm-hmm. but it's not to say that, you know, he was, he wasn't good in this one. And this is one where when they're in the off season and they're thinking about whether or not we want to keep this guy, this is one of those that they'll point to and be like, we don't want to, we don't even want to pick up his fifth year option because he had a game as bad as he did. And he lost this one in a very monumental one where they needed to win that game to keep themselves in playoff position. And now you look there, they're just, they're tumbling down as the other teams start to, as other teams start to catch fire. And when you look at it in the AFC playoff picture, they are, what is it? The eighth, they are the eighth seed in the wild card. So they are like 12, the 12th seed right now. Yeah, but I know I know that they have a path for the playoffs. It's something to the effect of like, I think Cincinnati plays Kansas City this week, so they lose that. And then they play Cincy Cleveland week 18. So if Cleveland were to win out, you know, then they'd be 2-0 against Cincy. Something to that effect of like mm-hmm. they not quite control their destiny, but like if they win and Cincy loses, then, you know, the, the game in week 18 could be meaningful. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely can see that. As for the Packers, I mean, we talk about how bad the Browns were, but the or how bad Baker Mayfield was. But this was only a two point game, and you have to kind of be a little bit, wor- I agree. A little bit worry if you're a Packers fan. I, I think you know, I think the Packers, um, the Ravens are sort of the team that we're all like, oh, the Ravens find a way to win games. I think the Packers have won a lot of really close games that like they're they maybe are not as good as their record says because this game was close. The Ravens game last week came down to a two point conversion. Um, you know. The Arizona one earlier in the season, Kyler might have been hurt. You had to pick in the end zone. And uh, I mean, other than the Minnesota one, I can't think of a close game they've lost, which is both a good and a bad thing, because it's a good thing that you can win close games. But it's a bad thing because, like, you know, one day that pendulum's going to swing back at least a little bit and you're going to lose one of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only like close game, but this was without Rodgers. It was the Kansas City game. They lost by six. And but you also look at other close games, the San Fran comeback where Rodgers got the ball back with like 50 seconds. Right. Left. Yeah the Cincinnati game that went to overtime and that neither wow. kicker could make anything. So they, they've, they've think about they've how many of those games. games they've had, man. That, those are two that I totally forgot about. And I named like three. So, you know, half their wins are these crazy sort of totally could have gone the other way. And they've only had like one loss like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that has to do with something with the fact of you Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. And that, that just, when it gets to those pressure moments, when you get the ball, like in the San Fran game, when you get the ball with under a minute left, it's like you've given us too much time. 
Well, it's it's never going to swing back to a true 50-50. Like, like when we used to say, when we used to argue back in the day and you'd be like, oh, the Giants are losing all these close games. It's going to swing back. No, it'll swing back a little bit, but it's not like some 50-50 proposition. You know, there's a reason that a Daniel Jones or a late career Eli Manning has more trouble in close games than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like, that's just how it is. So... I'm trying to think about whether or not, like, I'm not going to be like really worried about the Packers in this one, because I think that Cleveland, I, I spoke about it on Thursday when we were talking about this. I said, if Miles Garrett and Baker played, I thought that they were a live dog that I'd actually like think about taking. I didn't end up taking it even. Yeah. But it's just th- this team is so good, Cleveland. And I, there are still guys missing, like key guys missing for the Packers. They're still missing a couple guys on the offensive line. They're still missing Jair Alexander. They were missing Marquez Valdez-Scanling in this one. There's still guys that they're missing, so I give them a little bit of leeway there when considering that. And the fact is that they're still able to pull out these wins, which is still impressive nonetheless. You know, honestly, the the only thing I'm worried about is if I'm a Packers fan is that every time Rodgers' foot gets stepped on, you never know if that could be the time. Like, that's a serious yeah. problem. I mean, he's a tough guy, obviously, but that's a problem. Thankfully, he's not like a like when you spoke about Kyler Murray. Like, not only is he not like a small guy, but he's also not a guy that really uses mobility when it comes to running the ball past the line of scrimmage. He moves around in the pocket, but yeah. I think that you can get away with even with an ankle injury for him. It's still worrisome, obviously, because you drive off of your back foot or you drive off your ankle, like your lower body, and you want to see how that reacts. But it seemed like he, he uh, was able to handle that in this one. Okay, Colts, Cardinals. Colts, stunning six-point win. For me, it's a, it was a stunner because I, yeah. I was putting a bunch of things in with the Cardinals that I really liked because I thought this was the perfect spot. And the Cardinals just came out flat, flat as hell. And they just, just completely continue to shoot themselves in the foot. Similarly to how we saw that bears game against the Packers or bears game against the Vikings on Monday night, right. where the, where the bears every time just seemed to shoot themselves in the foot when they got anything going. And it was the same thing with the Cardinals in this one. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I think, you know, it was kind of, this for me was kind of the point for the Cardinals of like, are you going to snap out of this game and prove that that was just a couple bad games or is there actually a problem here? Um, and there definitely is a problem. I mean, we, and we know what the problem is, you know, two of their best, I don't know, five players are hurt Hopkins and Watt um, Kyler's you never know. I mean, it, it's just not safe to assume that he's hundred percent right now. Um, and that's not even, it's actually not a defense of him. If anything, it's more criticism. I'm not saying like, Oh, he's not hundred percent. He'll be better. It's like, this guy's not hundred percent because he's never hundred percent in this time of the year. So it's kind of a knock. Um, and so, you know, they're dangerously close to being a team that was amazing in October and just loses in the first round. And we totally forget about the time they were 5-0. and um, On the other hand, you know, teams like KC has bounced back. The Rams have bounced back. You know, there was a time where I thought the Rams were terrible midseason when they kept losing in primetime. So it's, it's hard to say 100%, but I think you do have to start with the Cardinals and say, like, you know, how many more weeks is it like, okay, this is the get right week? Because all of a sudden, you know, they're, it's, it's pretty bad there. Well, you bring up the Rams and the Chiefs and both those teams, yes, they had their struggles, but they weren't they weren't missing guys. And it's not like Hop, I mean, Hopkins, they have to hope to make the NFC championship game and then maybe he comes back. J.J. Watt's not coming back like these are two key guys that when you look at it, they're not coming back, like at least with the Rams. I'm like, OK, they got their guys they are just working through some things. And the same thing with the Chiefs, where the Chiefs are adjusting to how everybody's playing them differently. And it seems like they've started to get a little bit of a rhythm there. With the Cardinals, the one thing that's holding you back is that they aren't getting these guys back, and that seems to be a personnel thing that you can't really that you can't change at this point. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's tough. It, like, there was a lot of stuff I liked with the Cardinals, but you know, it's like the thing with Hopkins is like it's great to have all these speed guys in the offense, but all the sort of speed guys 
you know, centered around Hopkins as the number one threat. And so when those like speedier guys become, you know, the top options and then the guys like AJ Green and Zach Ertz, who are more like the possession, like supporting cast, they sort of get thrust up. I mean, it's as we said before, like they had, they had a good one, a good two, a good three, a good four and so on and so forth. But then when that good two becomes a bad one and, you know, as we said before, and this is sort of their problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm not willing to write them off right now, but it's getting really close to that point. I feel like they're going to be that team because they, they made the playoffs. They clinched already, but they're going to be that team come wildcard weekend. Everybody's like, I'm done with them. They're frauds and all this. And then they're going to stun somebody when it comes to the first week in the, in the wild card. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd, I'd love to like pull up the playoff picture. Like I can't wait to do the playoffs, man. I cannot wait. Um, I'm so excited for the playoffs this year. I, I it's, I don't even want to speculate matchups right now. Like, yeah, you know, I could tell you who they're playing if the season ended today, but just everyone's record is so close and so bunched up that we have no idea. But yeah, I can't wait because it's just like a lot of good teams are going to play each other. The Cardinals are going to be stuck playing uh, one of those top four teams. Um, maybe the Cowboys, you know, maybe the Bucks, maybe the Packers. So we'll see. Maybe even the Rams. Um, right now they're yeah, playing. For, the, they're, right now they're playing the Cowboys. If yeah. we're done right now. And then and then for the Colts for the Colts. There, there has to be a case that they're the best team in the AFC right now. Well, I think you have to give us to the Chiefs, unfortunately for me, because I keep betting against them. But if you – fine, we'll say the Chiefs are the top team. You can make a case for the Colts being the second-best team. I mean, they're on fire, man. They're beating up a lot of good teams. Um, they have an identity, and they're relatively healthy. And then a lot of their key players, you know, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, had COVID, and they still won. That was the amazing thing about it. Like, I saw the Darius Leonard. I saw Quentin Nelson. I'm like, okay, this is a lot. This is just – it's done. Like, I don't even know worry about this one. Let me, let me just worry about the other things I'm putting in together in, like, a teaser or a parlay or whatever. And the fact is that the that offensive line-wise – I mean, I look at Jonathan Taylor having success behind that offensive line that was missing four to five starters, and it wasn't even like – there were a couple of third stringers there. And the fact that he's still having success, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? Everybody talks about Saquon Barkley and how – you know, he has such a bad offensive line. That's not why he's not able to be like good or whatever. And it's like, look, I'm seeing a guy right now that's, that's, you know, doing this consistently and being one of the best, if not the best running back in the NFL with this offensive line that's normally dominant. But even against, even in a game where he has none of those guys, he has one starter there. He's still able to turn out yards. He's still able, able to put up the numbers. That's not like, like a Saquon line, which is like 12 for like 40, but like a 37 yard rush. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, oh. it's a it's a great point because it's like just when you think that that everyone like you know has it nailed down and it's all about the offensive line and it has nothing to do with the running back. A guy like Jonathan Taylor still gets it done with it with all backups, like you said. Um, so, yeah, maybe that'll swing back the other way a little bit. Who knows? I don't think I don't think it's ridiculous to say like they, I think they have a case to be said right now. They could be the best team in the AFC. I won't make it, but I don't think it's ridiculous if you were to say that. They're, I think right now, if I'm looking at the AFC, I'd say they're probably the third best team. If I had to go right now, Kansas City, Buffalo, Indy, for me, even though uh, Indy beat Buffalo, I just really liked what I saw from them this past week or the, or yesterday, and we'll get to them against New England. And I did, I'm very impressed with Indy. I've been, we've been Indy guys the entire way. I'm still holding an Indy to win the AFC South uh, oh, really? a bet. Yeah, took that, took that right before. Uh, the Titan, the second game against the Titans, which Thursday, obviously Thursday, sucked. Night probably, Thursday night probably killed you though. Honestly, it was a big one. Yeah. For yeah. I, I, I was also on the Niners. I thought the Niners were going to do Dude, it. And I have to say just real quick on the Thursday night game that we're not going to talk about what an, what a game from AJ Brown, a guy that I've been low on in the past, but I was on the Titans and I was, and I was like, 
I mean, he almost won the game by himself. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was insane. And like, you know, I, I was saying stuff like, oh, if like if we score here, I'll never rip him again. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And uh, and he got it done. But it was funny. Then some people were like, AJ Brown is a top ten receiver, and I'm like, I guess I'll never be done ripping him then because I still don't see him like that. But man, what a game! It really. I remember you game. saying Julio is the number one when you're when you're discussing this team in the beginning of the season. I'm like, well, no it's, way. Well, it's it's so funny because like you know, Julio hasn't been good in a few years, honestly, but he's still held in such high regard like across the league. I feel like he's one of those players that like. I like players who other players rave about, right? And everybody seems to think he's, like, amazing. And obviously he was and maybe still is, but um, clearly it's not been his year. No, because so. when you think about him, it's like, I mean, yeah, guys gradually decline as it goes on. This is a guy that was the most dominant receiver probably across seven, eight years. When he when you think about wide receivers, he was top three, and he was just unanimously yeah. pretty much there. Um, and now he takes a step back and it's not like he's dropped off the face of the earth where he's not playable. It's to the point where he's around average, maybe like slightly above average, like not like literally, but just more so that's the drop back. It's more so from being amazing to being solid, maybe. Well, but, and but that's where it becomes tricky because you still have the expectation. He, can't, he can't stay on the field. Like that, that's, that's his real problem right now. No, agreed. Agreed. Okay. Detroit, Atlanta, Atlanta pulling this one out at by the skin of their teeth. Um, not much to say. This is the same old, same old with Atlanta. They are good enough to beat up on these bad teams, and they are not good enough to compete against the great teams. And they they, they slowly and by the skin of their teeth were able to survive this one, similarly to how they've done it time and time again. Like they won, they beat the Giants on a last-second field on a last-second driver field goal. Can't remember because it was like week three, but they've done this time and time again. This is just a team that beats up on bad teams. Detroit, I mean, there's nothing really to say. They had Tim Boyle starting. Nothing really to say. Yeah, uh, closer than I thought it would be. The game went really fast. That was the only thing I noticed. I remember, like, they showed – I was watching Red Zone all day, and they show um, the Lions driving, and you look down at the clock, and there's, like, 45 seconds left. And meanwhile, like, the next closest game probably had five minutes left. I was like, how did this happen? You know, meanwhile, the Giants and the Eagles, it's, like, 20 to 3, and it's starting the fourth quarter somehow. Yeah. Longest, worst game ever, but um, <laughs> we'll get yeah. to that one later. Um, I, I don't want to – I don't want to, you know – Stay on this one too long. Last thing, last thing, Kyle Pitts, great game. Uh, This is a guy that was elected the Pro Bowl as a a rookie, and he's not like – Micah Parsons was also in Jamar Chase, but he hasn't gotten like the – I think the full media love like those other two guys have. And look, those other two guys have probably been better when it comes to their respective positions, but this is a guy that's still been a monster at the tight end position where you don't normally see that production come in their first year. Yeah, I mean, you draft a tight end fourth and he lives up to it, that's obviously a win. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not a – grand slam like we drafted you know calvin johnson too or whatever at least so far but you know again like if you hit on picking a tight end fourth he's got to be a really good player and it seems like they have yeah i mean he's closing on a thousand yards so uh, yeah the guy the guy looks like he is a home run so far okay let's get to a somewhat good game Bengals destroying the destroying the uh the ravens in this one with josh johnson under center i'll give it to you uh the Bengals, uh, the Bengals guy yeah, so uh, honestly, I'm a bit of a Ravens guy too. Honestly, I mean, this zombie division, Ravens. I, I just love this division. Honestly, I I, I love them. I, I always find myself betting on them, um, and I like watching them play each other. I mean, it's the best division this year, in my opinion, for sure. Um, here's the thing with the Ravens, and this is where I think you have to start. All the headlines are about the quarterback, but the reality is they also have no secondary, and they got absolutely lit up. Right, so you know, in two weeks. The Ravens, always known as a good defensive team, have let up 70 points. Granted, it was to the Bengals and Packers. You're playing Burrow and Rodgers. 
But but the, but the point remains: your backup and third string quarterbacks is actually giving you good play. But the problem is, you know, you score fifty points in two weeks with backup quarterbacks, second and third string. You know, you had you had 30, 30 some last week, and then you had twenty one this week, and you lost both games. And it really has nothing to do with the offense. It was all about the lack of Raven secondary, which obviously transitions into the best game of Burrow's career. Deep shots, you know. I mean, I was talking about I was talking about Burrow versus Herbert with my dad yesterday, and um, I said Herbert has better natural gifts. Like if I was to take over someone's body, I'd rather have Herbert. But I do think Burrow has the it factor thing that I that I don't know if Herbert has. I think he has, sort of has that certain aspect. I'd want him to be my quarterback that could make him be even better than Herbert in years to come. This will be a great debate over the over the longevity of their careers because these are both guys that have staying power. These are both guys that are going to be perennial pro bowlers over the next 10 to 15 years in the league, most likely. This was this was an unbelievable game from from Joe Burrow. And yeah, the the point of, of the Ravens secondary, I think, has to be the forefront of it all, because this is a team that's been decimated not only across the board, but specifically in that secondary where you're missing Marlon Humphrey, you're missing. Marcus Peters has been out since the beginning of the season. Those are two of your top corners. Those are two pro, pro Bowl caliber corners that you're missing out on. And then they're missing like Chuck Clark in the secondary. You're missing or Deshaun Elliott, I mean, in the secondary. There's just guys you're missing all around there. And this is why the Bengals went out and got Jamar Chase. Because when you want to double team Jamar Chase, T. Higgins goes off. And then when you want to focus on T. Higgins, Jamar Chase or Tyler Boyd goes off. Like it's just so many different guys you have to worry about. And when you have somebody as good as Joe Burrow is at, you know, uh, distributing the ball evenly and just finding just open guys and being so pinpoint accurate with it all. That's where this team becomes really deadly. And the fact is that they didn't really like, they got in the backfield a bunch, a, a good amount, but it was the fact that Joe Burrow was able to buy time in the pocket when they did collapse on him and find these guys because they have such talented receivers. And that's what makes them so scary when they're going up, when you see them as a potential playoff team going forward. Mm-hmm. Um. The last thing I want to touch on with this game is do you see the Ravens, you know, getting back in this playoff picture right now? Because the last two games are versus the Rams and versus Pittsburgh. No, I do not. I think um, I think it's so tough when you have two difficult games to close the season and both of them are hard games. So you would need to go 2-0 and you would need some stuff to happen. I mean that's like a tall order, you know. Right now they're um, right now they're in the last spot in the plot in the wild card. They have I guess the tie yeah they have the tiebreaker over the Chargers. They have the tiebreaker over a couple games that I, those teams. I, I cannot wait to get to some of those. But uh, <laughs> um, I think two like two tough games. You need a lot to happen. It's funny because there's six teams now that clearly should be in right the top six, and and all of a sudden a previously believed to be insanely deep AFC. Unless the Chargers get the spot, the team that you think probably should, it's going to be a decimated Ravens team, a decimated Raiders team, Steelers, Browns. Like, I don't really know. Dolphins. I for, yeah, I was going to say you're forgetting the team yeah, that plays tonight. It, I think I think the Broncos are basically done. Um, and I think yeah. the rest of the teams could hypothetically have a few things bounce their way. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think so either. I, I like the, the Chargers to end the season. They go, they play Denver and Vegas. I think they can take care of business there. Obviously, I mean, we'll get to their game in a second, but it's not like anything's a gimme with them. And then with Baltimore, it's just it's just so tough. It's just so tough to, to, to back a team with this many injuries to such key guys that they've had over the entire season. Now, we don't know if Lamar is going to play next week. 
I assume Tyler Huntley will be back off the COVID list. We'll see, but you, you're missing, you're just stacking up not only just across the board, but you, and then these monumental positions that leave you hamstrung against these really good teams. I, I just don't see it. It would, I, I'd rather one of these other teams, I'd even rather a Raiders. Eh, I don't know if, about Raiders, but like, give us the Chargers. We, we kind of need the Chargers in that last spot, realistically. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think, you know, even if Huntley comes back, even if Lamar comes back, the quarterback play has not been the problem. Mm-hmm. Going back to what I said earlier. So, you know, you're about to play the Rams. You know they're going to hang 30 against this team. So you're going to have to put 30 back. You're going to have to put 34, whatever it is. So, uh, you know, that makes it really, really tough for them to win games right now. Yep. So let's go to that Rams-Minnesota game. Rams pulling that one out towards the end of that game. Stafford was doing his best uh, his best job to get the game. Look- yeah, he was, he was being a Kirk Cousins in this one. Uh, no. He has some Carson. He has some Carson Wentz-esque turnovers when he does the like, like how about the one, you know, on like the, on like the five yard line, like his own oh, five, yeah. where it's like, oh, I'm going to get sacked. Let me just whip it out quick. Like, man, what are you thinking? Um, and and it's, it, uh, I mean, and they still managed to win. Right. So I don't even know what that says. I don't know. I think the Rams, I saw a lot of stuff. I didn't like mid season. There's still a lot of stuff I don't like. Um, this is a, a solid win. I kind of come out of this game hating both teams. Like Minnesota wins the turnover battle by two turnovers, unless there's some fumbles I'm missing. Not there's not, and it's like no. you, you lose the turnover battle by two, and and you still let up 30 points and lose, and you only let up 200 passing yards. And for the Rams, it's like no Dalvin Cook, and you make all these stupid turnovers, and it's still a game. And Dylan was in and out of the lineup. It really all I had was Justin Jefferson and Kirk. I kind of hate both teams coming out of this. This was a game where when I was, I wanted to take one team. I was leaning towards Minnesota when it got up to three. And I'm like, this is just, this is a game that I'm going to be frustrated regardless. And I'm glad I stayed away from it. The, both these teams. Yeah, I agree with you. You come out with it. I don't think either. T- I don't think the Rams, you come out out of it feeling better. And if I'm the Vikings, I definitely come out of it feeling worse, but it's just, it's a tough spot with both of these teams because of, like you said, you have the Vikings who are really hamstrung def- offensively with Thielen going out pretty early in this one. And obviously no Dalvin cook. And then with the Rams, it's like, okay, we kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Yes. You did put up 30, but the fact is you're, you're, you're turning the ball over and it, that just can't be happening. And when you're trying to get back on track with all of it, it's just something that um, against a better team, you'll, you'll get, exposed for it i will say you know great game from sony michelle on this one it's a, it's pretty amazing to see the turnaround and the impact that he's had on this team um pretty much just taking over the entire backfield i know daryl henderson got injured but it was it wasn't like they were mixing in 50 50 before daryl henderson got injured it was pretty much the sony michelle show well and then also also cam Akers is going to come back you know mm-hmm. the, the thing for the rams that i will say is like okay so so for a team like the 49ers when it feels like they have a million running backs and it's like Oh, any of these guys are liable to hurt you. I almost sort of feel the opposite way with the Rams. And I'm not exactly sure how to describe this, but like with the Niners, it's like, oh man, like whoever gets, it's going to kill us with the Rams. It's like, oh, we're just going to try a bunch of shit and hope one of it works. But you know, it's, it's sort of like a different level of like three headed monster, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't love their Like, you know, Michelle might turn around next game and be 12 for 50, 12 for 40. So I, I still don't love their run game. I mean, unless Cam Akers comes back and starts tearing it up, that really would change a lot for the Rams, honestly. Yeah, that's where when when 
everybody was, you know, heading into the season. This is a guy that coming off of that great performance he had against the, against the Packers in the playoffs and how he finished off the season. This was a guy that was looked at as potentially, you know, a guy that could be a top five or seven running back, like up there with a Jonathan Taylor up there with what Deandre Swift was doing. These are guys that were drafted in the same uh, year as him, JK Dobbins, like all those guys that had, you know, the high promise coming into the season, he was expected to be, you know, in that group. And the fact is it was a pretty devastating injury. It's pretty amazing and remarkable that he's had this turnaround. Now it's pretty unheard of, which is amazing to see, but it is, it is something that I think that they are really, and they're hoping that he can bring something to them because he adds a dimension to them as a receiving back and a running back that Shoney Michelle and Daryl Henderson don't really give to them. Yeah. Uh, so when uh, like, same question with, uh, with the Ram or the Ravens, I should say as the Vikings, because you look at the Vikings now, and they are seven and eight. They are what is it? Uh, the ninth seed right now in the in the NFC right now with games at Green Bay and versus Chicago. I think I think the difference is the differences in the AFC. There are teams that if you don't get it, someone's going to come get it. In the AFC or sorry, in the NFC, who's going to come get it? Like, are the Saints going to win tonight with Ian Book? Is it going to be Atlanta who has some tough games to close out? I believe they play like Buffalo and one other you know good and team. Tampa. Yeah, I, I, is it Christ. Tampa? Well, it's not going to be New Atlanta, Orleans. It's New Orleans. No, it, it, it can't be New Orleans. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it, it's like you know, in the AFC, if it's not the Ravens, it's the Chargers, or maybe it's the Raiders, or maybe it's you know the Dolphins. But in the NFC, well, it's not going to be the Panthers. I don't think it's going to be the Saints. I don't think it's going to be the Falcons either, and it's not going to be the football team. And so, therefore, you almost think that the Eagles. And Vikings are sort of by default going to grab those last two spots, right? Right. No, no. You're, okay. So, okay. So here, are the, the top, the top five, there's five teams that are locked in right now. The Green Bay, Dallas, Rams, Tampa, and Arizona. There's two spots left right. in, the play, in, in the wild card. And and, San, and let's be real. San Fran, you got to give Yeah, that's why. That, yeah, San Fran and Philly are eight and seven. New Orleans is seven and seven. Minnesota and Atlanta are seven and eight. And then Washington, six and nine. And then you got a bunch of five and 10 teams. So you can really say it is between – Two spots between five teams, and really Atlanta. I don't think either of us anticipate so two te- two spots or four teams. You, you know, you know what's so funny is like you'd think the Eagles are playing the football team this next week, and all the evidence would say, "Oh, the Eagles are going to beat them up," and yet I just don't think that's going to happen. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to lose, but I'm not saying they're definitely going to win either. And I think that's kind of if they drop that game, it becomes wide open. If they win that game, you'd think a nine and eight, even if they were to lose to Dallas in that last week, Eagles team would probably get in. That, that seems like a perfect spot. If I am like, I'm trying to find the line right now because that seems like the perfect spot to take the football team. They uh, football team is plus football team is plus four right now. That, oh, that just, that's going to go up. That's going to go up. You think, I, I think Eagles are, you think uh, I'm curious whether or not the Sharps would just bet it down and they would just keep it there because these teams played two weeks ago. This is a home game now for the football team. And you think about it, it feels like everything like the, the Eagles dominate the Giants, this awful team, this absolutely awful team that we'll get to soon. Um, yeah. And then we see the football team get destroyed by Dallas, this really good team. And they, it looks like they, they're pretty much a group of five team playing against the Dallas Cowboys in this one. Yeah. It just feels like they're meeting in the middle. And how much better really are the Eagles than the football team? If I get two key numbers there of three and four, that's, that, that's my thought process of it. Yeah, I think, I think that's reasonable. I think it couldn't have gone any worse for the football team. Um, you know, a couple of bad turnovers early. I mean, we'll get to that game, and hopefully, we won't stay there for long. You know, yeah. and we'll just close up shop for the day. But uh, let, let's go to uh, 
So long story short, I don't think the Vikings make it. I think the Eagles make it over the Vikings, I guess. Yeah, with the 49ers being the other, like the, yeah, the team that, yeah. I think I would lean that way. I think I would lean that way too. Okay. Buffalo, New England, Buffalo getting their revenge on New England after the, the snow game. We found, we saw Josh Allen, I think, have one of the more impressive performances of the season, just picking apart in New England secondary and defense with Bill Belichick, just pretty hand, like just moving the ball up and down the field yeah. on them. Um, this is one where this is this showed me that the Bills are starting to a little bit turn the corner. Josh Allen, who has been shaky throughout the entire season for the most part, is finally starting to return to form. That's not the end all be all because he had one good game, but we saw the kind of the change in the second half against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He started to kind of pick that up. And when you have this performance in Foxborough in a very much must win performance, like we talked about on Thursday. This is something where when I was when we were talking about, you know, can the Colts be the top team in the NFC in the AFC? I'd still put the Bills at two and the Chiefs at one because I see what Josh Allen does as a quarterback. And Carson can do some of those things, but he has the low lows there. And when the Bills play like they did today, it's hard for me to find teams that I would take over them. Yeah, I think um there there were two things that I noticed from this game that first of all, it felt like the Bills always had the ball. I don't know what the time of possession numbers are, but it did seem like they always had it, which was, you know, both a good thing and a bad thing. And the other thing for me is I felt like other than the one time they went for it on fourth and didn't get it, I felt like the Bills picked up every single big conversion that they needed, which is both a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because you can do it when you need to. It's a bad thing because I don't know if you're always going to pick up every single conversion that you need the whole game, you know, in every game. Um, So that can swing either way. And so for both of those reasons, I – I liked what I saw, but at the same time, that was, for me, the Bills at their peak, and they still couldn't blow out a, a solid New England team. There were, like, for me, that was about as good as the Bills get, and I don't know if that's good enough. That's sort of where I, where I left the game thinking. I don't know. So when you look at the time possession numbers, they had 35 minutes to New England, 20, pretty much 25 there. Mm-hmm. Um, they were three or four on fourth down, but Patriots were five of six. New England was one of 10 on third down. Bills were six of 12. And then you look at the yardage. They just absolutely destroyed them. 428 to 288 in this one. I I still think there's ways for them to get better. I still think when you add in the fact that they didn't have Gabe Davis, they didn't have Cole Beasley there, that adds just more dimensions to this offense that you can't key in on. And Emmanuel Sanders, who also dropped an interception or a touchdown in this one early on in this game, I think on a fourth down where you leave points on the board there and then it becomes potentially 40 to 21. And then you're like, okay, that kind of blew them out there. Um, I, 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 it's not necessary. I agree when you look at it and it's like, okay, a 12 point win when new England played as bad as it did Mac Jones, I mean, zero touchdowns, two picks, 145 yards, and a less than 50% completion percentage, and you still only won by 12. That's still something that, you know, can raise some eyebrows. But I think there are some things that you can look at from the Buffalo Bills side of it. It's like, okay, we're getting those guys back. Like, if we play New England again, we're going to have Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis. Because Most likely, you'd like to think if they don't test positive for COVID again. With New England, there are things here where the inability – this is why I liked Buffalo to begin with when it came to them meeting up two weeks ago. And obviously it didn't come to fruition because it wasn't a game where Mac needed to pass the ball. But the fact is the Bills defense matches up really well against this New England offense because of the fact, even without Tredavious White, because New England runs their offense, their passing game, through their tight ends, and Buffalo has two really good safeties there and Micah, Micah High and Jordan Poyer to match up with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. And, he, and they hold them to a total of one catch for nine yards between both of them. 
I mean, Johnny Smith didn't have a target. Hunter Henry had six and only one catch for nine yards. Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, going back to the third down stuff, like, so you said New England was one of 10, Buffalo six of 12. Mm-hmm. You know, that will swing back a little bit, but it's also fair to say that the Bills are much more well-equipped to be a better third down team, right? Because they're mm-hmm. a way better passing team. I, you know, as much as I like the Patriots, or at least liked them a couple weeks ago, now they've lost a couple games, you know, I might be here slowly headed to the exits on that bandwagon. It's just because I don't have faith on them in third and long. And I hate teams that don't have any faith on them in third and long. It's kind of one of the problems with the Eagles and why they're not, you know, as good as they could be or as good as – not as they could be, but it, I guess, frankly, it's just When you think about a team bad. that could – when you think of even a team like San Fran on uh, who's on their level when it comes to record-wise, I feel a lot better about the, San Fran picking up the third down than the Eagles. Yeah, and honestly, and, and t- that kind of says it all because it's not like San Fran has some, you know, we never got to do the quarterback list, but, J- but you know, Jimmy G is, I mean, he's better than Jalen Hurts, that's for sure, at least when it comes to throwing, but even he's not that guy. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, that's really the problem with the Patriots. We kind of knew it was the problem, and then and we and we always were speculating, like, what's it going to be like when they have to come back? What's it going to be like when they play a good team? But we just saw the last couple weeks, and, you know, it wasn't so good, so – if they can't get out to an early lead, you know, they're kind of in the same boat as even like a Cleveland Browns or something like that, where it's like, we don't like you playing from behind. We like you up two scores running the ball. Mm-hmm. So now New England out of the, out of the division lead, they're only yep. one game up on pretty much the rest of the conference to potentially even be out of the playoffs right now. And they finish up the season versus Jacksonville. That will be a win. And then they play at Miami. So there is there is a scenario where I not even I think if they lose out, but like if they just lose the Miami game, they could potentially be out of the playoffs. Well, they, I mean, maybe I I have a hard time imagining ten and seven missing the playoffs. So if you think about it, if the chart uh, no, they have the high break over the charge. It would require every team that only has seven losses now, like winning out or you know. Sunset. I think it's no, no, because the Chargers they have the tie break over. I think it's I think it's Baltimore and Miami need to win out for them to okay. be out. I, I think sense. I'm not hundred percent on that, that but I, I believe so. Um, but I, I still expect them to end up. What's it called to make the playoffs, to be in the wild card, but now they have to go on the road to do so. And like we said, or like you just alluded to, this is a team in the past two weeks when they've gotten down, when they haven't had the hot starts, when defense hasn't been able to keep this team, not in games, but where they keep the score tied. That's when this team really starts to struggle when it comes to moving the ball and that's something where when you go up against these good teams consistently week after week in Kansas City, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Buffalo, who are in the division lead right now, that's something you're going to have to do because these are really good offenses. When I think of all four of those offenses, I mean, Tennessee, when you have A.J. Brown, and I assume Derrick Henry will be back. I haven't gotten an update on like what his recovery time looks like right now, but those are guys that, you know, make the make that offense one of the best in the NFL. Yep. Okay. Jacksonville Jets, not much to say here. Jets, I was very happy to see this as a Giants fan as I'm just looking at the Tankathon website, just seeing the Jets hold on to win this one. Battle of the yep. first and second, uh, first and second overall picks. Zach Wilson with a massive 50-something yard run. That was just – I mean, couple, was cr- And he had another – I think he had another one too. I mean, he must have had near 100 yards rushing. I think he did. I'll pull, I'll pull the box over. now, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he had like 101. I, I think is the exact number. Wow. Um, what? Oh, I, I thought just, you were like I, I. I thought you were looking at it. And I got exactly right. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, he got 91. So 91? put it in the middle because I was thinking 80. You said 101. I guess mm-hmm. you get this. Yeah, I guess that's about as close as it gets in the middle. Um, 
you know, and then even Lawrence had a couple good runs too towards the end of the game there. Um, you know, actually, when you look at the stats here, I mean, Wilson, despite having an extremely low yards per attempt, right? 22 attempts, 14 to 22 for 100 yards, but it was a touchdown, no pick, never sat or sacked once. Um, Lawrence, on the other hand, 26 of 39, 280. You know, this is actually a solid showcase for these two guys. I actually think, like, you know, obviously they're playing each other, like, in, in bad defenses, which is, which helps a lot. But, you know, at least n- neither of them looked like, I don't know. I, no. thought, I, thought, I thought they both looked solid. I thought, yeah. I mean, you have to speculate, like, these defenses aren't anything that I'm like, oh, they, they're moving the ball against the, the 85 Bears here. Um, but it, it, it's fine. I'd feel more, I'd feel more, confident with trevor lawrence's performance out of this obviously zach wilson his he's got he had two touchdowns in this one one passing and obviously the rushing touchdown that i mean i don't know what the jags defender was doing when zach wilson was near the sideline and just let him cut back in there um i mean i I just like trevor lawrence i saw a stat he's got the most dropped passes in the league i think at 32 and it's it doesn't seem like it's particularly close this is a guy that just doesn't – I mean, neither of these guys really have great weapons to work with regardless. So it's it's tough to really gauge where these guys are at. It's nice that both of them had pretty solid games. Uh, nothing to to boast about. Not like, you know, Davis Mills over here. But, um, uh, yeah, solid game. Uh, both these teams aren't really doing anything. Both these teams will be picking near the top of the draft. And now Jags pretty much just saved themselves uh, the heartache of, you know, winning somewhat of a meaningless game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Jets have a knack for uh, hurting their draft position late in the season. You know, it's tough. It's tough to. It's tough to. Uh, it's tough to win when you have a fifty-yard touchdown rush from your quarterback and a kick return touchdown. Like, and yeah, they, I mean, hey, they still almost found a way. If it weren't for some, I mean, what are you doing? Twenty seconds left, spiking it on third and goal. You can't do that. You got to run two plays, and mm-hmm. then and then how do you spike it on third? And then have no clue what you're doing on fourth. What was that fourth down? It's like, why are you motioning guys with five seconds left and you just wasted third down spiking it? I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, the poor stay poor, as they say, you know, um, for, for the NFL teams, because I, I don't know what the heck that was. And, and, you know, yeah, if you couldn't tell, I wanted the Jags to win that game for myself. But it just like, what are you doing, man? It, it, on this, on that third and goal, 20 seconds left, you can't spike that. You have mm-hmm. to play it out. I just, I didn't like it at the end at all. No, that, that's why these teams are four. What is it? Four and eleven and two and thirteen. Uh, that's just why it's the epitome of that. Okay, uh, now let's get to my shitty team versus your pretty your average team in yeah, the Giants. <laughs> in the Giants, just getting absolutely mollywopped by the Eagles. I was so annoyed at this because I had the under forty two and that touchdown oh, at the end by Evan Ingram was just absolutely brutal. Um, that's typical Evan Ingram right there, man. Get his get his like two scores of the season after and, uh, after there was a like, I, I don't know who the Eagles defender was. But he pretty much had a pick when they tried to throw to Kenny Galladay in the left corner of the end zone on that last drive. And I'm like, this is so going to bite me. I'm just – I'm not even going to watch the end of this. I know they're going to score after he just missed that and they ended up doing it. I, I um, think uh, I, for me, for me, the showcase, the good of the Eagles and the bad of the Eagles. So I was watching so I was watching this game and red zone, right? So I was watching this game in full. And what a bad watch it was, honestly. Like this first quarter – you know, I don't know how closely you were watching. If you were just watching Red Zone, you won't even know it happened. You won't even know the game was being played until like 2.30 p.m. You know, Eastern time because in the first quarter, it was like 19 yards to 15 yards. Uh, it, it, it was as bad as it gets. 
Um, and so that's sort of the bad of the Eagles where it's like you telegraph the first down run every single time. We all know you're going to do it. What's the point of being lining up in the shotgun if we all know you're going to run? And then, you know, you do it again on second down and then it's third and seven and, and Jalen can't really do that. And so that's the bad. The good is, you know, once they get up a couple scores, they're good. The Eagles are good once they get up a couple scores. And they're, and they're one of those teams, Patriots, like we talked about earlier, Browns. Unfortunately, when you play other good teams in the playoffs, you probably don't go up a couple scores, especially when you're not even that good in a 0-0 game in the first place. And that's why they're not going to win very many. You know, they could win one, one playoff game in a fluke, but they can't win two. No, I, I, don't, I think if you are thinking the Eagles can do that, you're being irrational as a fan. I think – yeah, you can have the expectation that or the expectation that, you know, we can we can compete in the first round. We can compete and, you know, maybe steal one. Similarly, how yeah, the football you know, team did last year. Where they only, stuff yeah, like that. Like, I mean, the football team almost beat the Bucks last year in the, in the first round of the playoffs. So yeah. I think can they do that? Yes, because I think Jalen Hurts is better than Taylor Heineke. And I think that the overall the roster is, you know, around the same, if not better than what the football team was last year. And especially when you talk about the offensive line for the Eagles, which is still really strong with all the guys, even despite the fact that they don't have Brandon Brooks. Um out for the season because they have two solid tackles and they have Jason Kelsey in the middle. This one for the Giants, I mean, I didn't watch much of this game because the Giants are just a sorry organization. And it starts off with the one thing I want to talk about is what happened before the game where Adam Schefter comes out and he's like, the Giants plan on bringing back Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. And for me, the reaction was, what the hell are we doing? I mean, we all know that they're going to fire Dave Gettleman at the end of the season. And you're telling me that while we're going to look for a GM, you're going to hamstring him to say that, you know, you, you don't get to pick your head coach and your quarterback in your first year because that's this public declaration that you're making out here. And you're telling me that's, that's the smartest move for this organization is to make this declaration in week 16 of a season where this team has been incompetent for, for time, for weeks, for years, this is the best move for them. And it was just, it just goes along with everything to say about John Merritt, which is that he's a shitty owner. He is a just, just incompetent, just negligent. And the fact is it's not even just about, the fact of the GM. It's also about the fact of the quarterback because we've talked about it here. There will be a couple of quarterbacks that will probably be on the market in Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and potentially and Deshaun Watson, potentially Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what happens with him. But you have to yeah. assume that Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson will be on on the uh, on the trade block. You have potentially two top ten picks, most likely two top ten picks there, and you're telling me you're not even going to explore that option. That's pretty much what you're saying here. We're like we're sticking with Daniel Jones. We don't even want to go for this. Why the hell not? What is Daniel Jones and what have Joe Judge shown over their time here to warrant the fact that you should feel enough faith to say in the middle of a lost season that these guys are returning next year without figuring out what you could potentially get in the either draft? I don't think they will get somebody in the draft. I don't think they should. But going after a trade for one of those elite guys, as well as hiring the new general manager to make these picks to figure out how to fix this organization that is fundamentally and just internally broken and just inept at this point. It's t- it's it's so tough. It's like um, and it's like saying like, oh, you could buy a car, but you got to keep like the fuzzy dice and you know the the like yeah. padded seats or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like you you uh, the Giants' job is relatively appealing in the sense that like you know they do have some talent. I mean, we talked about this uh, last week, and I said that they might have been one of the worst franchises to be. You kind of talked me off that ledge because they do have a lot of talent. They have the draft picks. You know, it's funny you were talking about um. That Seahawks Bears game was secretly like a Jets Giants thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, in my in my, in my Giants in my group chat with like my Giants friends, we were just I, I was just in agony watching that game, like the end it of that was, game. It was it was very low key a a, sort, a secret Jets Giants yeah. New York. If if like yeah, it was it was a little thing there. So that's funny that it didn't go your way, but at least you know the Jets won and you lost, so you have that at least. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, 
it, it's it's so weird to announce that. I, I saw that they announced it. I didn't read it in full, so I knew the judge was coming back. I didn't actually catch that Jones was coming back too. Um, it's weird, like I said, because it's like, yeah, come take the GM of this historic franchise, but you have to keep this coach that's so-so, and you have to keep this quarterback that pretty much everyone knows isn't, isn't ever going to be a top-10 guy. I mean, he could be a league average guy at some point. I don't think so, but he's never going to be a top-10 guy. Forget about top five. So it's just sort of like, yeah, come here, and you're stuck with this. Um, I do think that the mayor's mind would change if you, if you come to him and say, hey, we can get Russell Wilson. Hey, we can get Deshaun. I think he probably can find enough of Daniel Jones, but um, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think, I'd I'd like to think so. Wishful thinking perhaps, but um, you know, it's weird. It's, it's really, really weird. I mean, I don't know. You start Jake Fromm and you bench him for Mike Glennon. The whole thing is like, it's almost like a giant's mad libs of like, what stupid thing can we do? It's like, we're going to honor this. Like, like it's, and then you enter like random former player. And then it's like, and then it's going to be like blank, blank week. And it's like fan appreciation week or just whatever it is. And then it's going to be, you know, name a quarterback you haven't heard of in three years. And he's going to be the starter. And it's just all the, all that crazy stuff. And just like, um, it, it's, it's, they've turned into, you know, laughing stock franchise, which is crazy because no team that has two, two championships in the last 15 years should really turn into a laughing stock. And that's what's happened. Really, since we spoke about like the Falcons giant, like the the conversation where it was like, I thought the Falcons were, and I still kind of think they are in the worst situation if I was a fan, just more frustrating because they're winning right now. And it's not like I see them doing anything, but you know, it's just like, at least I wouldn't be embarrassed. Like I'm embarrassed to be a Giants fan at this point because of how inept and how much of a laughing stock they've been. I mean, for the past four or five years, everything about Dave Gettleman just like laughing, laughing at him and doing whatever, whatever shit he does. Like when he makes fun of analytics people, but everybody's just making fun of him because this schmuck doesn't understand that analytics are part is part of the game and what good teams use in all of their formulation of it all. And it seems like Joe judge is part of that same cut from that same cloth where it's like, Oh, analytics. I don't really care. Whatever. Um, now I'm now I'm seeing because like Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon are like doing as bad as they are. It's like oh maybe Daniel Jones was like you know it was such a bad or uh, such a bad spot for him. Maybe like it shows how good he is because these guys can't do anything. I'm like, do you see Davis Mills? Do you see do you see Davis Mills? I mean the guy said, no, playing for. No, surely no one actually said that. No, I'm seeing I'm seeing on social media people like Twitter oh and God. stuff. People are talking about like oh maybe this is like a sign that like like look how bad everything is when Daniel Jones is in there that maybe he's like it's amazing you know, that he actually is, had any production. That's a crazy spin zone because both Fromm and Glennon, forget top fifty. What number? of quarterbacks with these guys clocking out. I mean, it could be like 70, you know, and then you see what you see from Hulley and Josh Johnson. It's like, are these guys top hundred NFL quarterbacks? I don't even know. So I think that's a very, very wild spin zone for the Daniel Jones thing. I mean, the one thing the giants have is two top seven or so picks and you'd hope the new GM doesn't have that up. Yep, exactly. Okay. Let me get done with this, this fucking embarrassment. Uh, Tampa, Carolina, Tampa took care of business 32 to six, despite all the injuries that they have from their key weapons and their defense came to play And this Carolina offense, continue to struggle with their rotation of quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I picked Tampa in our weekly picks. And I basically said, yes, Tampa has injuries, but Carolina has Cam Newton and Sam Darnold, and they're going to platoon them. And if that's not a recipe for disaster, I don't know what is. And and there you go. Um, you you did you did take them. The, the Cam Newton thing has just been like, he comes in for a week, it's electric. He like you know, and then it's like solid, but they lose, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse to the point now where it's like, 
like, you know, you look back on the quotes of Cam being like, I know there's not 32 quarterbacks in the NFL better than me. There definitely are. There are definitely 32 quarterbacks better than him because he needs to retire. It, is it was depressing. And, yeah, it was depressing at his, pro- his post-game press conference. It seems like he's he's starting to get come to that realization. Oh, really? What did he say? Uh, let me get the exact quote up here. But it was something along the lines of, uh, like, it's been a fun ride or whatever. Let me, let me get this. Yeah, well, you know, here. honestly, like, for a guy who had as great of a career as he did, and then he kind of was unceremoniously like booted, and then he got the New England thing for a year. I mean, look, he's had a chance to have his farewell tour. I think, um, honestly, like a lot of people might sort of rip him for the excessive celebrations, but if you sort of frame it in the way of like the, he knows it's his last run and he's enjoying it, maybe it becomes a little less like a screw this guy, and it's like a yeah, I respect that. So, I don't know. I guess there's no need to, like, kick him on the way out, but it has been pretty rough. So, this is what he said. This is just a paraphrase quote. Right now, you feel empty. You feel like, damn, are you good enough? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty valid. Like, and the answer to that question is probably probably no. <laughs> no, no. As somebody that liked the move for them, he has not come in and uh, and turned them around. Like I liked, like the, I I liked the move but just simply because of, like, the why not factor. You know, Darnold was, like, uh, injured and out, and it's like, why not? Look, if you're going to have someone suck it up, it's better to be Cam Newton a fan favorite than P.J. Walker or nobody. Um, unfortunately, if anything, though, it's been so bad. Hopefully it hasn't, like, soured any Panthers fans on Cam. Hopefully they still love the guy. Um, and, you know, hopefully for everyone's sake, this is probably the last time, you know, the last season that we see him on the field. Yep. So for the Bucks, I mean, this is a good performance and all. They, I, I, even if they like kept this game close, I still wasn't going to take anything much away from them because they're missing Mike Evans, you're missing Leonard Fournette, and those are two very key guys. Obviously, Chris Godwin, but Chris Godwin's not coming back this season. At least with those two other guys, he'll get them back. It was good to see Antonio Brown back for the first time in a while and put up ten catches for 101 yards to be the be the focal point of them and be a guy that you know. They they brought up in the broadcast about how he like he wants to show that he can still be a number one wide receiver. And it's like for this Bucks team, he needs to be the number two, and that's it. And the fact is, on a gate on a day where this Carolina defense can be pretty stifling and cause some issues for teams, this is one where um it's so it's very good to see him put up that type of production when there's really nobody else. I mean, the next the next closest receiver was this guy named Cyril Grayson who I've never yeah, heard I mean, of. Had, I was had, looking at the box score right now. And I'm looking at, who is she Smith, the top receiver for the Panthers? <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think yeah. about Antonio Brown, yeah, I think he definitely could be a number one receiver. I think, like, look, I feel, you know, I feel like some of my receiver takes are just, like, way off base from, like, what the average person does. So let me preface it with this. Look, there's a case to be made that Antonio Brown is better than Chris Godwin. Like, um, I'm not saying – like, obviously, Godwin's gotten better opportunities in the Tampa offense, but I think you might be able to see with Antonio Brown getting into the Chris Godwin role that he could do everything Chris Godwin can do, maybe even better. I would take Chris Godwin over him. I don't think it's ridiculous, again, to say – because I, I, there are some things that are ridiculous. So similarly to how, like, if you wanted to say the Colts were, like, the best or second-best team in the AFC, I wouldn't say it's ridiculous. I won't be saying it. I still think Antonio Brown's very good, but I think Chris Godwin's a guy that could be a wide receiver one. I think – Antonio Brown could be a high-end wide receiver too. And when it comes down yeah. to playing against a good team where, you know, you need to pick up yardage now when you're down, when you beat a team 32 to six, I think that also snowballs in the fact of he can put up some numbers there. You know, the thing is, the thing about Antonio Brown, so it's not like anything physical actually happened to him, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this was. No, no, he got, he was injured. 
this was a consensus to no, well i'm saying no uh-huh. how do i say this it's not like he tore an acl right okay. fr- from when he was the best receiver in the league on the steelers oh you mean the transition from where he yeah, was to where he thing. is now okay like, like, i thought you meant i thought you meant just in between the season no no no, no. Okay. well it's like it's like what when did like why is antonio brown no longer the best receiver in the league well there's a couple reasons right one he's 33 now and, and closer you know he's like he's 33 so he's sort of on his way down two he jumped around situations like the new england thing he was there for like you know two weeks tops and now he's in tampa and he came in there like late off season and he's just trying to fit in it's not like he's been given the chance to prove that he can be a number one so it's interesting he has this opportunity here um I, I i agree look he's not the guy that he was before i think too much time has passed and too much has happened but again it's not like he had some achilles acl injury that would totally have him go off a cliff i am not surprised that he had a good game i would not be surprised to see him have a resurgence at all um and so i'm looking forward to it because i think that role is wide open for him now with no godwin that's why i won't knock the knock the bucks down from a team that even though they lose a guy as good as chris godwin from a team that's in that still that top tier of the nfc because they have guys behind him namely antonio brown if antonio brown wasn't there i'd have some serious worries about this team behind him when it comes to after mike evans where are you really getting that production even a guy like gronk i mean gronk didn't really do much in this game because he's able he's somebody that you can game plan i guess around at this point in his career when you have other guys, obviously, when you have Mike Evans and you have Antonio Brown, he can work himself into those specific points. But if you need him to be a focal point, I'm not really sure you can do that. With Antonio Brown, I think he can burn, have more of that load and more of that burden on him when it comes to finding that production in the passing game. It's interesting because he's a year older than Julio, who we were just talking about, and it seems like right. Antonio Brown still has that production right now. Julio uh, is more on the back half of it. You know what's crazy? Scotty Miller has four catches all year. Yeah, I think he was injured for a little, but the fact is he's been completely phased out of this offense. It's like, it, it, it almost looks more like, uh, uh, maybe he was injured for a bit, but it's like he played against the Rams. He had two catches. He played against the Saints the second time and had two catches. He played against the Colts around Thanksgiving. It's like, it's almost like he's just not getting rostered some of these days, more so than an injury thing. It was I mean, weird because he really came on strong at the end of last year. I mean, they might look to him more so now, but I mean, yeah. when you look at it, it's like Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown has been out for a little bit. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, Cameron Braid, Gronk. Obviously, those are two tight ends there, but it's just still. No, 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 I, it's, he, like, it's like Pyramid and, and all these guys, man. It's, they're stacked. You know, the, if if you have those two tight ends there or yeah, and an OJ Howard there, do you really want the small, small wide receiver blocking on the end? Like that, I think that's where you have to look at. Like, does he give you something that you don't necessarily have with the rest of your guys? And I don't think Scotty Miller gives that to you right now. No, honestly, his, his like Godwin being out is good for him because like now you sort of keep him in as like Antonio Brown's backup, as it were, sort of fit in some of those spots. But even then, you know, you've other guys that could do it. But um, all right, let's go to uh, let's go to Chargers Texans um, and let you answer for the crimes of I don't even know. You know, um, it's not like I was watching. You know, it was on red zone and there were a ton of points and I can't really point to like specific moments or specific things that happened. Um, Frankly, it's more of a Chargers defense thing. As much as I want to rip Herbert and Staley, you want up 41 points to the Texans. I mean, let's be real for a second here, but um, look, I just, you can't lose this game. And it, and, and when you're the leader of a team, whether that be the coach or the quarterback, it is kind of on you. How do you lose this game? That's really all it is for me. I mean, Staley gets a little bit of the blame because he's a, he's a defensive mastermind. He's a defensive coach. And 
you know, Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead just completely annihilate you. It's the same old problem with the Chargers, though. This team can't defend the run. And right now you see Rex Burkhead, 22 rushes, 149 yards for nearly seven yards of carry and two touchdowns. I mean, that, just, that, that is just slicing and dicing your whole team behind a guy that really has never been the focal point, a guy that has been able to churn out that type of yardage. When you look at his games this year, he's never had more than 41 yards in a game. And this was that was the week before against Jacksonville where he carried 16 the ball 16 times for 41 yards. This is the first time where he's had more than four carries and averaged more than three yards a carry. So this is just, again, this team not being able to stop the run, being very prone to, you know, what led them to losing games against teams like the Patriots, against teams like, or keeping games close against teams like the Browns early on. They lost to teams like Baltimore. They kept, it was close against Philly. They lost to the Viking. Those are all run first teams. And the fact is, if you want to be successful against them, you need to be able to run the ball. They lost to Denver. Denver runs the ball well. It's just all of these things work in conjunction. When you look at the teams that they beat, the Giants don't run the ball well. You look at Steelers. Steelers didn't really don't really run the ball well, but still kept that game close. This team is just flawed in that way. And that's where you find yourself having, you know, a game like today or yesterday, I should say, doesn't absolve them. It's a game that they still sh- definitely should have won, but it just foundationally and what we've seen from this team is the fact that they can't stop the run. And it's not, it's not something that's out of, out of the ordinary with them. Yeah. And, and they were missing a lot of guys, like to be fair, no, um, no Bosa, no Derwin, no Eckler. No, Derwin played. Derwin played. Oh, okay, okay. My fault. Um, so, but you're, you're missing, you know, a lot, a lot of good guys, a lot of really important players. Um, and so, you know, in that sense, I get it. I don't know. Like, I almost go back to the it factor thing that I was saying about Joe Burrow. Like, I don't think Joe Burrow would have lost this game, honestly. Wait, did Derwin James play? I don't know. It said he was active. He might not have played because I'm looking right now and he did not. I don't see, have I don't see any tackle stats, but yeah. to be fair, I didn't watch it um, a lot. I didn't watch much of it. Yeah, like, like I don't know. I just kind of think I kind of think Joe Burrow would have won this game. Um, like, but I don't, know, I don't know. One of the picks on Herbert was late in the game. I don't know. Like, like this is a like yeah, you have a lot of yards. You only threw for one touchdown though. One touchdown and two picks. Again, I know one of the picks was late, but. This left side to be desired, and all of a sudden this team's looking at missing the playoffs, right? Like, like if this happened in week four, it is what it is. This team's looking at missing the playoffs now, and because of this stupid loss to the Texans, it's crazy. So I think, um, like, man, didn't I rank them, like, second in the AFC a couple weeks ago? I should have just stuck to my guns and said I hated them the whole time. But, uh, you know, I guess that's how it goes in the NFL. So just a really terrible, terrible, terrible loss. Let's see who their remaining games are against because, I, I, you know, again, like I said, I think Denver and Vegas. I think ten and seven still controls your destiny. I, th- I think you went out and you're in. Um, it's uh, ooh, some divisional games. Yeah, some absolute must watches. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, versus Denver and at Vegas uh, to finish out the season. I do expect them to go two and zero. I don't expect them to get swept by Denver. And then Vegas, they beat. I still just just not a fan of this Vegas team to begin with. No, nah, but Vegas is going to be like Vegas is somehow going to be able to make the playoffs in, in week in week eighteen. But I agree with you. I, I don't see that happening. Although that would be something. That really. So, so let's talk about those two teams because they just met up. Denver beat Vegas, or no? Nice. Vegas beat Vegas beat Denver. Um, the Drew Lock show uh, kind of got let down. I thought Drew Lock played fine. I thought that his receivers kind of let him let let up. Uh, 
you know, let him down a little bit. There were a couple of drops there. Like he had Alberto on a pretty deep pass that Alberto just absolutely mm-hmm. dropped. Jerry Judy dropped a crucial third down when they were able to move the ball. And I just think that offensively, Pat Shermer just calls a really bad game. I think even with Teddy Bridgewater was there, the guy just runs the ball consistently on first down. Like you're talking about the Eagles do that. And then when it comes down to, it just sets them back in the chains. I just think he's very predictable. It's first down run, second down run, third down, you throw short of the sticks. It's just, it's just clockwork. He was the same way that was frustrating with the Giants for the most part. Um, uh, the, we talked about before, Denver is probably out at this point uh, in this game and in this season from the playoffs after this one. Uh, the Raiders, I mean, it was a fine game. Uh, Derek Carr was the better quarterback in this one. No, but, but let's be real. They've won two straight weeks now against nobody quarterback scoring like mm-hmm. 17 points yeah like you, that, you, you the browns and, and the broncos and now you have back-to-back wins i'm looking at this broncos box score admittedly i didn't see a lot of this game holy crap 16 carries for 18 yards as a team it's hard to find numbers worse than that and then also just like in general right so you've you've 16 rush attempts you have 22 pass attempts and you get sacked twice so by my calculations you have 40 offensive plays and the raiders had 65 or 67 if you're counting sacks too so yeah 67 it's like you're just getting badly out snapped and 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 then the one broncos touchdown i'm assuming against i didn't watch much was off the backs of like i know bradley chubb at the pick that took yeah it was a pick that said it was a pick that sent him up at the one yard line and i'm assuming they scored that's the that's where they got their touchdown and then the other two were field goals so yeah it's just um i don't know man i think um I, i always hated your drew lock high potential take i just think just because the guy is young and and has a couple of viral videos of rapping on the sidelines or whatever. I, I never thought that there was much of a ceiling there. I'm not saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I only liked him because he rapped. I only liked him because because you saw the video cars. of him rapping. It's yeah. like I saw a video of Joe Burrow smoking a cigar. I'm like, oh, he has the it factor. <laughs> no, no, not quite, but. No. Uh, no, but yeah. like I, I go back to just being more, what's it called? Um, just more efficient with your play calling. I mean, you are run. They are literally running the ball just to run the ball. And these run stats are unbelievable. Yeah, and you look at Drew Locke. You're talking about yards per attempt with the with the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, seven yards per attempt. That's that's good. That's solid numbers right there. And you let allow the guy just a little bit more freedom and a little bit more faith in him. I think confidence wise, it would have gone a long way in this team actually putting up points in this game. Not necessarily just him being like the guy. It's just you know finding a way to actually generate some offense there where you know the snap or the difference in offensive plays between sixty and forty is a little bit closer to 50-50 there. Yeah, actually, I actually will say, I actually will say, um, fifteen of twenty-two for one hundred fifty yards. You know, I look at that and I think it's terrible. But if you told me that was somebody's stat line at halftime, I'd say okay, fine, right? So, so that sort of it goes with what you said of like he's just not being given enough opportunities. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this offense, I mean, they they have receiving options. I just don't understand yeah. why they, like this offense is so inept and it's not even just Drew Locke. Like Teddy wasn't like this offense wasn't humming in the past couple of weeks with Teddy Bridgewater there too. And you have all these guys there. It's just, I mean, outside of the fact of like in the last month, outside of their game against Detroit, they have scored nine, 10 and 13 points. Like what? I mean, this top, this top four, Judy Sutton, Fant, Patrick, and then you also have Hamler who's injured. This is at least above average. It's actually a very good group, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so, you know, maybe it's an offensive line thing. 
I, I don't claim to know much about offensive lines, but you have good weapons and you, and you can't pass that well. That's quarterback thing. But then also with the running stuff, we know Melvin Gordon is solid. A lot of people like Javante Williams too. And just all-time bad games from them. So, you know, maybe it's an offensive line thing. Maybe it's a quarterback thing. Or maybe, like you say, it's a play-calling thing. And it really I think it's a play-calling thing. You, you do not get seven. Well, it's also like, a quarterback thing. Let's be real. It's also a quarterback. What, the running game? Or just in general, no, the no, offense? No, no. Why does the offense suck so much? That's really because the Because I think – well, I think – it goes along with both the guys. I think the play calling, because if you have it span across two different quarterbacks this late in the season, I think it who has to do both, with the play. But who are both outside of the top That's 25. true. But, but, like, I see guys like Davis Mills put up numbers against a good Chargers pass secondary, and it's the fact of you put these guys in advantageous positions. This is a guy where seven for – like, you like you cannot tell me that, like, play calling-wise, you see the seven for 12 yards from Javante Williams and the seven for negative four yards for Melvin Gordon, and then you see Drew Locke averaging, what is it, seven yards per attempt, and you're like, okay, well, let's run the ball just to run the ball. That's just inept on, on play calling part. Because they are daring you to throw the ball. That is what that is saying by when you have your running back to mind for 14 carries for eight yards. They are daring you to run the ball. And they just, for some reason, Pat Shermer is just like, no, we're just going to keep running it because that seems to not be working. And we just don't want shit to work. Yeah. Okay. Chicago, Seattle, you're talking about before the, the Giants, Jets, uh, Super Bowl. A, a sneaky New York battle in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Between an NFC North and an NFC West team. I mean, I just couldn't believe that that guy, Damari Bird, heard, held on to that two-point conversion to end that game. I, I just could not believe it. This was – and I just can't believe that that the CLC Hawks, after the hot start, the, or the fast start with the DK Metcalf touchdown, that they just absolutely went cold and just lost this game. And Cairo Santos got injured at one point and ends up coming back and is like – ends up being a factor. I thought it was going to be one of those games where they were going to have no kicker and, and he's hurt and he's back and – um crazy just a great snowball game uh you know the bears you know what i mean like just the bears they get it done in the snow um and do you, and root, do you root think, for nick Foles still yeah yeah with, with, with carson it's sort of like a conflicting thing where it's like a some weeks yes some weeks no well the Foles thing it's definitely you know i'm always happy to see him play and play well um when will be easier like after this year for who for Wentz, like after this year you can uh, perform no, but it's just it's so different. It's like um, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like Kristaps and Carmelo to bring it back to the next thing. With uh, with Kristaps, it's kind of hard to reform. Sometimes I will, but most of the times I don't because he kind of forced his way out and it was ugly and maybe didn't live up to his potential. With Carmelo and Foles, I mean, this is a little different because Carmelo's a better player than Kristaps ever was, or you know, mm-hmm. was a better player than Kristaps ever was or will be. But you know, with Melo, it's like he gave everything he had when he left. It wasn't really of his own volition. Um, and you, you like you love what he gave to the franchise and stuff like that. That's sort of how I feel with Foles. I mean, look, Foles was great for us. Left, came back, back up, did his job in the Super Bowl, and then wanted a chance to start. There's no, there's no part of that story where you rip the guy. With Carson, there's kind of a couple twists and turns where it's like, oh, and then he was terrible that year, and then he was benched, and they demanded out because he got benched, and it's kind of like, ah, oh, like screw this guy by the end of it. So I just think with Carson, it's a lot more complex. With Fultz, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know why you wouldn't root for him if you're an Eagles fan. Fair, fair. I will never root for Chris Osborne's because he forced his way out and it wasn't even like a thing. Like if you want to compare him to the Carson Wentz of it all, Carson Wentz at least had like some good years. And by the end of it, it was kind of like best for both parties if you just separated. Uh, with Kristaps, it was like, what the hell? Like, well, what do you mean? Like, you want out? There was there was nothing that was hinting. I remember, this. I remember that day. That was so funny. Just like quick basketball tangent. It was so funny. It was like Kristaps demands out, and then 
you know, a lot of times, like, like, okay, Ben Simmons demands out. He's still there. You know, James Harden demands out. It takes weeks. With the Knicks, it was like, let's make this trade today, you know, which yeah. actually ended up panning out okay, but you, you never really liked that. Um, and it was just – it all happened so fast, and next thing you know, he just was gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, not much to say else about that that pretty shitty game that uh, I don't ever want to think about again. No, we talked <laughs> more We talked more Chris Stops than, than the game. <laughs> so, I, actually, I will say that, like – and this will be safe for off-season pods, but you have to think Russ is gone at this point. It's just an absolute disaster there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you lose this game, and even in, like, one where – I mean, both these – like, at least with the Bears, it's like the Bears. You think, like, Justin Fields, you have him, and they have some guys there. Like, both with with uh, Seattle, there's just – it has to start blowing it up. And really, the only guy I would keep around is definitely DK Metcalf. Besides that, I, I think everybody else would be up for contention to potentially move off of. Yeah. Okay, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Kansas City, <laughs> brought the brought the boom, brought the boomstick down on you on your Steelers. Um, when we talked about it on Thursday, we didn't know if Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey were going to play. Tyree Kill cleared protocols. Travis Kelsey did not. And from the get go, this was just a rout by the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know what? Why? Why? You know, had a little bit of caution with you taking the Steelers plus the I think eight and a half at the time was that this offense for the Steelers is just so painful to watch. And I remember betting against the, betting on the Steelers against the Titans and they ended up covering because they, in the second half stepped it up, but it was just like, this is so brutal. I, I hate watching this offense, despite the fact that they have three, three or four really good skill position players in Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, Trace Claypool and Najee Harris. I know Pat didn't play this game, but you still have three really good skill position players there and you're not able to move the ball down the field at all against a chief's defense that is still solid. But it's not something that should stifle you that much, just given how many guys you have on the outside to make plays for you. How do I say this in a way that makes sense? When, when I bet on the Buccaneers to cover the spread and they cover 10, 9, 14, 6, whatever it is, um, it feels good. It feels good to win a bet, but it doesn't feel amazing. But when I bet on the Steelers and they win, it's probably my favorite team to win on. It's 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 an amazing feeling when I win on the Steelers, but I hate this team. I actually hate this team so much. Like like I couldn't believe I was I was out. I had like an early dinner with my family, and I'm like checking on my phone, and I'm like, KC on the Pittsburgh twenty again, like seventeen nothing again. Like oh my god! And then you know, it, of course you hold on hope because you remember. I don't know if it was last Thursday or two Thursdays ago. Two Thursdays ago now, maybe against Minnesota, where they went down a million and they came back and they lost yeah. by eight, almost scored the touchdown to have a chance to tie. So I'm like, oh, that Steelers comeback. No, not to be. Um, did not happen at all. So it was just an absolutely miserable experience. Um, I need to stop betting against the Chiefs. You know, I, I bet on them early season and I bet against them uh, mid to late season. And if you've been following the Chiefs, you would know that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, so it hasn't been great, you know, betting Chiefs games this year. But um, it, it's a. Uh, uh, it, it, it's it's like look the Chiefs the Chiefs look like the best team in the league right now and I still can't believe it I think like it's crazy when you look at the standings too at this point the record is 11 and 4 right so you you look at the standings if you just look at the standings like let's say you, let's say you were in a coma since March and you woke up just now and you said let me look at the NFL standings and you'd be like oh the Chiefs are amazing again it's like it never even happened all the early season stuff it's literally like it never happened which is crazy. And maybe I should just act like it never happened, but I can't. And that's why I keep betting against them. But that's, you know, it's hard even for me. I can't say they're not the best team in the AFC. I just can't. No, I don't think anybody can say at this point, given what we've seen from these other teams. I mean, maybe you could have a claim for the Bills, but I still don't think you can go as that far as that far to say because of given like we've seen the Chiefs now for what is this? 
like eight games right now. What is this? They're in an eight game winning streak. Over these past eight games, we've seen a bunch of growth with them. Defensively, they've completely turned the foot. Uh, not this... nah, eight, nine weeks uh, with the yeah, bye. Um, right. But this is a team that was starting three and four, and now they've rattled off eight straight. And defensively, they've been strong throughout the entire eight game stretch. But then offensively, you look at it. 22 points against Denver, not that impressive. 48 versus Vegas, and we're like, okay, you know what? They always smoked Vegas. Even early on in the season, they were putting up point. They put up 40-plus against them. Let's see what they do against another team. Chargers, they put up 34. Pittsburgh, 36. So this is a team that's now offensively starting to rattle off the, the, the type of performances that we've seen them in years past and why they were the team heading into the season as the, as the AFC favorite. You know, it's just peaking at the right time. There are teams that peaked early on in the season. There are teams that peaked in the middle, and this is a team towards the end of the season that's starting to peak offensively that makes them really, really dangerous and why that, yeah, I would think that you would have to put them as the number one team in the AFC at this point. Yeah. Okay. Finish off the night. We, we talked about this earlier. We won't talk about it that much. Uh, the football team just getting absolutely routed by the Dallas Cowboys 56 to 14 in this, this game. I, I took the under in this game. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty – it was done. It was done in the first half. It's never it's never good when you take the under and one team beats it by themselves, which is which is what the Cowboys did. I honestly think – look, I think if you were a football team fan rather than your rant about how the Giants are embarrassing, there's one to give about the football team as well. Frankly, I don't care to give it. Um, but I just think like – I think really the only conversation piece here is the fact that the Cowboys may or may not be the best team in the NFC. Um, they clearly – like – Again, with this defense, they just they forced so many turnovers. I know the offense struggled for a couple weeks, but look, you hang 56. I mean, you got to be back a little bit. And we all agreed that even if the football team wasn't the defense we thought they were, they were at least league average. And they just got absolutely smoked. Um, I think the Cowboys, I think they could be the best team in the NFC. But knowing the Cowboys, they could also lose in the first round, and it would be hilarious. So I, I think it could go either way. I think the NFC is absolutely wide open. I, I just don't know. Yeah, if we wanted if we wanted the uh, the football team edition of my rant, we'd have to bring dates on. Yeah, and maybe we well maybe we'll let him have it have his piece to do and that at some we, point. We'll, maybe we'll just start cycling in fans of teams so they can complain. Like we'll get a Jets fan and, and we'll get like and then and then when the cow when the Cowboys lose in the first round, we'll get Gins on. Exactly, <laughs> we'll just start bringing in our friends. It's like here you have five minutes, just cry about your team for the world to see, <laughs> and we'll just do it that way. Yeah. Um. No, it was offensively this Dallas offense had been struggling lately and this one from the onset similar to how the Cowboys or how the Chiefs did against the Steelers they just just throttled them from the start it'll be an interesting test for them next week against a Cardinals team that's teetering I I, I kind of like that spot for the Cardinals right now as I think about it but um I, I think you can definitely make a claim with the Cowboys especially with Demarcus Lawrence now back on that defense that's another playmaker he had a pick six in this one that was a pretty amazing play uh, that just adds on to the Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs that they already had. And obviously Leighton Vander Esch was very, very solid. And you already had the offense that you knew that was very high powered. I mean, this team, when you look at the top teams right now, their point differential, the top five teams that we love to put in that same group, they have the biggest differential in points for and points allowed. And it's 150. That's the difference but for them. And to put that in perspective, like you look at the, the Green Bay Packers, it is like 59. It's the Rams. It's like, 80 and these guys are at 150 but I, I do i do believe that to be a bit misleading because like you know a great example of that is buffalo who's plus 163 which is the best number in the league but i don't believe them to be the best team in the league i believe that they had the easiest schedule it's a, it seems like every week you know especially like early mid-season it's like 
while you're playing Carolina this week, and then you just played, you know, Miami, and then you're playing the Jets, and this is when Miami sucked, by the way, and like now you're playing the Jets, and and, and so I don't actually. I don't think that. it's. I don't think it's the end all be all. I just think it's part of the context because you look at like some of the other team, like we were talking about Green Bay and how they, you know, squeak by in some of these these close games, and with with the Cowboys. Not that they don't have close games. Obviously, they like they had that game in week one against Tampa that was down to the wire and they ended up losing that one. They had the Chargers game that was a three-point win. I just still think it's interesting to see when your team is still against very against, you know, below average to average teams where you're able to blow them out and to stack that up. So 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 what's better then? Is it, you know, a team that um is it a team that that a team like a Buffalo or Dallas that can absolutely smoke you know, bad competition, but then you look at Dallas and it's like, you lost to Kansas city, you lost to Tampa Bay, you beat the chargers. Good. You beat the new England when they were still, you know, finding themselves a little bit. So there's like, where's the statement win for Dallas, even though they have the best point differential league, I don't believe they have a statement win at all. They're playing Arizona this week. That'll be interesting. Although if they beat Arizona, everyone's just going to be like, okay, fine. Arizona kind of sucks now anyway. And so who knows, you know, they might go through the whole season without having a legitimate statement win. Um, no, that's, that's very fair. That's very fair and, to say. And that's, uh, yeah, what were you saying? Well, yeah, so it's, it's like you compare teams like that, you know, at least Buffalo had the KC thing midseason. But, you know, do you want the elite differential or do you want to be a team like the Packers who wins close games? Well, it goes both ways because the Cowboys thing, at least they show they can put it on teams. When the Packers, like I said earlier, they can, you know, they sort of, you'd think it'd swing back and they wouldn't manage to win every close game. So I think there's pros and cons of all the teams. I think there's reasons to hate all of these teams, honestly. Um, I think, you know, I was trying to come up with my Super Bowl pick the other day, you know, yesterday, actually, before Kansas City played, and I refused to pick Kansas City. And now after what I saw yesterday, maybe I'd have to pick them. Yesterday, I was thinking like Indianapolis, Tampa or something like that. But it's hard, man. There's so many different combinations, permutations of Super Bowl picks you can make right now. And, and it'd be reasonable. So so Tampa is still definitely in yours. I mean, you've been, you've been pretty headstrong on that for the entire refused, season. I just refuse to pick against Tampa because of Brady and because the real difference, because I actually think Rodgers is better than Brady at this stage in their careers. But it's like, um, like, how do I say this? Like. It's not like the Packers don't have guys, but the Bucks have like 10, 10 people that like a casual fan knows. The Packers only have like three. And I do think that kind of matters. No, it definitely does matter. Um, no, I, I can definitely see that. I, I don't think it like, I, I don't think you're saying this either. I don't think it's the end all be all of it all. I think it's yeah. just part like the same way with your phrasing is like, would I rather be the Packers where they're squeaking by against like, you know, some good teams or just blowing up the bad teams. I mean, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. That's where it's like part of the formula, because when I look at the Packers and it's like, okay, you, you had a close game against like this team, you had a close game against like this team or that team. I just like, it leaves me a little bit more so worried about them going forward. Um, like you lose, you win by one point to Baltimore and Cleveland or like one point to Baltimore and two points to Cleveland, given all the injuries and all the issues they were having. I mean, that's a little worrisome as opposed like, and the same way that, you know, Cowboys don't have that signature win. It's something that's worrisome. It's part of, all part of the equation. I just still think it's, it's still something to be said about whether or not your team can blow out these other teams. So that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on Thursday to preview week 17 of the NFL season, discuss all of that. Hope you enjoy this one. Thank you for listening. <laughs>